This is the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast. We come to you in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Son of the Most High Yahweh. Tune in each week to hear teachings directly from Scripture, focused upon believing in the Father, His Son, and the holy and righteous law of our Creator. At the end of this broadcast, we will give you the web address whereby you may contact us for further scriptural information. Well, good evening to everybody listening by way of radio. It's good to be back here for another time of study in our Heavenly Father's Word. If you tuned in last week, I began a series in regards to outward modesty outward modesty. I laid some foundations for modesty last week, and I want to pick back up where I left off and get into the meat and the primary foundation for the teaching of outward modesty. And so if you do have your Bible, you can open it up to Genesis chapter 3. There is so much that we learn in the book of Genesis, which in Hebrew this book is known as Bereshith, which means the beginning. Genesis means origin, beginning, and there is so much doctrine and so much truth that if we go back to the book of Genesis, back to the book of beginnings, we'll be able to glean so many things from that book. So in the beginning, man and woman were without and they were apart from sin when they were created by Yahweh. After sin entered, the sin in the garden, they partook, whatever it was, they partook of something called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And after they partook of that tree, that tree which Yahweh told them they were not to partake of, they realized their nakedness in Genesis 3 verse 6, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. That's in Genesis 3 verse 7. Now, Yahweh, the Heavenly Father, He reprimanded both Adam and Eve, and He also reprimanded the serpent for the actions that had taken place. Okay, We then find that the aprons which the man and the woman made for themselves must have been insufficient in the eyes of Yahweh, for Yahweh replaced those aprons with coats of skin which He, the text says, made in Genesis 3, verse 21. Aprons, when you check this word out in the Hebrew, it basically has to do with a loincloth, a cloth that would go over the midsection or the mid-area of your body, both man and woman. Loincloths were what was made by Adam and Eve, and they were made out of the leaves from a fig tree. Genesis 3.21 talks about how that Yahweh made them coats of skin. One thing I want to point out here is the word made, because when we think of Yahweh making them coats of skin, some people have, I believe, wrongly assumed that Yahweh is the one that physically or literally sewed these coats of skin together. I don't think that we necessarily have to take that route. Because the word made in Hebrew is the word asah, and it can be translated appointed or designated. It's used in Psalm 104 verse 19 in this fashion where it says he appointed the moon for seasons. Appointed is probably a better translation for Genesis 3.21. So it wasn't that Yahweh physically sewed these coats of skin together, but it's rather that 
This is the garment that he appointed to cover Adam and Eve's nakedness. Now, what exactly was the coat that Yahweh placed upon the two? Obviously, it was more than just the fig aprons. Yahweh was appointing them something that was more sufficient than the fig aprons to cover their nakedness. And nakedness was being covered after sin entered. And here we have the underlying foundation for modest clothing. Adam and Eve, our federal heads, they sinned. They fell into sin. Therefore, all of us, sons of Adam and daughters of Eve, fell into sin with them. Adam works as our representative. When he loses, we by default lose as well. One way to quickly understand this, a lot of times in theology, this is called the doctrine of original sin, and I'm not completely against that term. I think that it's misunderstood often. But one way to understand this, and one way I teach this to my children, is that if you look at it in the way of the battles that would take place in ancient Israel. There's one very famous battle in the book of Samuel where it talks about Goliath being the head warrior for the Philistine army. And then we know that David, the little shepherd, he was the guy from the Israelite army that fought Goliath. When David won that battle over Goliath, even though it was just David versus Goliath, when David won that battle the Israelites, by default, won that battle. When Goliath lost that battle, the Philistines lost that battle. Why? Because David acted as a representative head over all of Israel in that battle, and likewise with Goliath on the Philistine side. In that way, that helps you to understand, Adam is the representative, he is the federal head over the sons of Adam, the descendants of Adam. Likewise, Eve over the daughters of Eve or the descendants of Eve. So they work as our federal head, and when they fell into sin, we fell into sin. This is why, even though my wife is not Eve, she's a daughter of Eve, and my wife has labor pains, even though the curse was initially placed upon Eve. This is why I have to, when I go outside and make my garden, I have to work by the sweat of my face in my garden, even though the initial curse was placed upon the land that Adam lived on and the land and Adam himself. So they fell into sin. We fell into sin. They were appointed coats of skins to cover their nakedness. And likewise, I believe we are appointed the same garment. What does that mean? Brother Matthew, what are you saying? Was this coat a generic garment, or was it a specific garment that Yahweh prescribed to adequately cover the nakedness of both man and woman? Well, let's do a little digging here in the Hebrew. The Hebrew word for coat is the word katanath. Katanath is defined by various lexicons as a tunic, a robe, or a long shirt-like garment. You can get this by going to Strong's Exhaustive Concordance and Brown Drivers and Briggs Hebrew Definitions into English, obviously, there. 
Now, you may have seen this type of garment being worn by those peoples who have grown up in the Eastern culture or sometimes by those of the Islamic faith. And it is, in simplest terms, a long, loose, shirt-like garment which hangs anywhere from above the knees to the ankles, and it drapes loosely over the midsection of the bodies of men and women. The definition of the katanath is not completely learned by just examining the Hebrew lexicons, but what we do learn from examining those lexicons is that this garment was not one that was divided in the middle such as modern-day pants are. Now, this is clear from the English definitions of tunic, shirt, long shirt-like garment. I want you to consider Noah Webster's definition of a tunic, and this is found in the 1828 Dictionary of the English Language. It says, quote, tunic, number one, a kind of waistcoat or undergarment worn by men in ancient Rome and in the East. In the later ages of the Republic, the tunic was a long garment with sleeves. Number two, among the religious, a woolen shirt or undergarment. Next, I'd like to quote a portion from the Webster's Third New International Dictionary from 1981, and it adds this concerning the definition of the tunic. Quote, tunic, of Semitic origin, akin to Hebrew katanath coat. Going on down, the definition, the number one definition is this. A simple slip-on garment made with or without sleeves and usually knee-length or longer, belted at the waist, and worn as under or outer garment by men and women of ancient Greece and Rome. End of quote. Then we go to the Erdman's Bible Dictionary. Erdman's Bible Dictionary says this, quote, The basic unit of clothing for both men and women was a shirt-like tunic, Hebrew katanath, Greek chiton, an undergarment with long or medium sleeves which reached to the ankles. End of quote. Now, I want to go to the Holman Bible Dictionary. Listen carefully under clothing styles in the Holman Bible Dictionary. Quote, the Bible gives only general descriptions of the types of garments worn in biblical times. Egyptian, Assyrian, Roman, and Hittite monuments provide extensive pictorial evidence of dress in the ancient world. The need for clothing derives its origin from the shame of nakedness experienced by Adam and Eve in the garden, Genesis 3, 7 through 8. The Almighty's provision for his people is reflected in the animal skin garments given in response to human need. Men and women wore tunics made of linen or wool hanging from the neck to the knees or the ankles. End of quote. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia has this to say about garments. Quote, the three normal body garments, the ones most mentioned in the scriptures, are sardine, a rather long undergarment provided with sleeves, katanath, Greek chiton, a long-sleeved tunic worn over the simla. Later on in that same dictionary, it says, it resembled the Roman tunic corresponding most nearly to our long shirt. Then we have from the book Manners and Customs in the Bible, we have, quote, the basic dress for both men and women was the katanath, a shirt-like garment which is depicted in ancient art in a variety of styles. And I could go on and on and on, and I've just buzzed through these various dictionaries and biblical encyclopedias, but the tunic or the katanath is obviously some type of a shirt-like garment that covered 
loosely the midsection on both men and women. And it was given to both Adam and Eve after the fall into sin, and it was given to them as appropriate, modest apparel. Now, when we look from the book of Genesis all the way through to the book of Revelation, we do see that the material which Adam and Eve's tunics were made of is not the issue. Some people have asked me, Brother Matthew, if you believe that we should wear a tunic to cover our nakedness modestly, then why do we not wear a tunic made of the same material as was given in Genesis 3.21? And the reason that I do not believe you have to make a tunic out of animal skin in order to fulfill the modesty requirement is because when you look through the rest of the Bible, you find that righteous men and women wore, still wore the tunic, but they wore it, say, of linen, or maybe of wool, or maybe even of silk. The material is not the issue when it comes to modesty. Modesty is the issue. The garment itself, the type of garment, is what is making you have on modest apparel, not the material. So the material changes and varies through Scripture. What we do not see change from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and even after Revelation, up for about 1,500 years, we do not see change the type of garment that was given for modest apparel, at least among righteous men and women that served the Heavenly Father to the best of their ability. So the question arises, if this particular garment was considered modest by Yahweh then, should not the same be considered modest by Yahweh now? In other words, if Yahweh gave Adam and Eve that type of a garment to cover their nakedness modestly, what gives us the authorization to think that another garment is sufficient to cover our nakedness. I don't believe that we have any authorization whatsoever to do that. I want to also point out the fact that Adam was not given a different garment to cover his nakedness than Eve. We often think specifically because of a abused passage in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 5, which I'll get to probably next week. We often think that the clothing of men and women differed greatly in type or in shape. Such is not the case. We went back to the book of beginnings and we see that one Hebrew word, the Hebrew word kataneth, was used to describe both the garments of Adam and of Eve. So I do not believe that you can make a case that a man's garment has to be drastically different than a woman's garment. I believe that men and women were told apart by other means and not by the means of their modest garment. More on that as we go on. From the very first man mentioned in the Old Testament writings, Adam, until the time of the Messiah, the reason that the type of clothing, the modest clothing, does not change from Genesis to Revelation is because that is what Yahweh gave 
for his people to be modest in their outward adornment. Yahweh designed and appointed a particular garment for both of the sexes that would not only cover their bodies, but that would modestly cover their nakedness. What this means is that the issue is one of decency and moderation. Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves with fig leaves, aprons, Genesis 3-7. And a lot of people today wear these same fig aprons out on the beach. You even see sometimes when you go into certain department stores, I've actually seen women walking around in something that would be similar to the fig aprons of Genesis 3-7. But Yahweh saw those aprons as insufficient to clothe them modestly, and so he appointed coats, a katanath. He appointed the katanath to modestly cover their nakedness. He clothed male and female with the same clothing. Yahweh, the creator, the designer of mankind, considered that clothing modest. Now, I want to talk a little bit about an objection that I often hear when I speak this way or when I witness to people about why I dress the way that I do. I've learned now that when people ask me, what are you wearing, or why do you wear that type of a shirt? And what I normally do is my wife will purchase me two of the same shirt, and we look for the clearance aisles because we do not want to spend a whole bunch of money on clothes that are just going to be worn and then wore out. So my wife will buy me two of the same shirt. I'll deal with my work attire right now. So two T-shirts, let's say, from Walmart. Uh, I always buy 100% cotton clothes, so I'll have a, a t-shirt um, that is 100% cotton and then an identical t-shirt that is 100% cotton. And what my wife will do is she will cut the bottom off of one of them and sew it on to the top of the other. And then I'll make slits up the sides of my tunic in order for me to have vulnerability to move around while I work. So my tunics when I first make them, they hang probably about four to six inches above my knees. That's generally where they hang. Over time, as they're washed and washed and washed again, they tend to shrink up, and eventually I have to buy new shirts to make new tunics to make sure that they're at the length that I feel is appropriate. But what these shirts do is they cover the midsection of my body. Therefore, I'm not wearing pants by their self. I do wear pants up under my tunic, and I don't see anything in Scripture that would teach that it is wrong to wear an undergarment or to wear pants as an undergarment on either men or women. But I always make sure that I have this tunic out so that it modestly covers my midsection, and I don't have any pants caressing the back of me or the front of me, and therefore my nakedness is not being outlined by my breeches or by my pants. Likewise with my wife. My wife, she will wear pants, but her nakedness is not outlined uh, front or back by those pants because she does not wear pants by herself. She wears a loose tunic over top of those pants that hangs about the same length as mine, at the very least six inches above the cap of the knee. And I'm not saying, listen, I want to make a point here because some denominations have built standards that are not scriptural, and I'm not trying to sit here and tell you so many inches, etc., etc., and it has to be done like this. The Spirit of Yahweh in your heart that teaches you, listen, my body is not mine own. My body 
is to be shared with my spouse. My nakedness is not to be seen by everyone else. That spirit of Yahweh that is inside of your heart, inside of your mind, will lead you and guide you into what is the modest attire that you are to wear. You do not need me to sit here and tell you inches or degrees or angles or anything like that. That is where the spirit takes over. There's not specifics in the Bible. What there is is a general rule of the katanith or the tunic in Genesis 3, verse 21. Getting back to the objection that I had mentioned a few minutes ago. When people ask me, Matthew, why do you wear the tunic? I respond, I wear them for modesty reasons. And I leave it at that. And if they ask another question, then I expound upon it further. And sometimes I go to Genesis 3.21. I am not dressing the way that I do because I want to go back to the ancient lifestyle. That's not why I'm dressing. In other words, I don't believe that you have to wear sandals. I don't believe that you have to ride around on a camel or a donkey. I don't believe that you have to live without electricity. That is not why I'm dressing this way. I'm not dressing this way to try to look like they did in ancient biblical times. I do not believe that you have to wear the same clothes or the same styles as they did in ancient biblical times. I don't believe that. I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. The reason I dress the way that I do is simply because I believe that Yahweh gave us a standard of modesty in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. It has nothing to do with trying to go back and live the same pattern or style of life and cook over a fire or ride a camel, etc. If you want to ride around in a camel and cook over a fire and do all that, then that's fine. If you want to wear a style or a pattern or colors that they might have worn in ancient biblical times, that's fine. I don't believe it's required. What is required is the modest garment. And at least, at the very least, even if you don't agree with me on the tunic part, at the very least, you should be able to agree with me that we get the teaching or the immediate underlying foundation for modest apparel from the book of Genesis chapter 3 verse 21. And when you agree with that, I will gently, and I say this with a smile on my face, I will gently push you into saying, okay, what garment did Yahweh give Adam and Eve to be modest? See, So my reason for wearing it is modesty. It has nothing to do with trying to necessarily look identical to the way that people did in ancient times. Now, I want to go over a few texts of Scripture that talks about nakedness. Some of these are in the Old Testament. Some are in the New Testament. Uh, the first one is the book of Exodus 32, verse 25, where it says, And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked, in their shame among their enemies. Their nakedness is associated with shame. We see in 2 Samuel 10, 4-5, it says, So Hanan took David's emissaries, shaved off half their beards, cut their clothes in half at the buttocks, and sent them away. When this was reported to David, he sent someone to meet them, since they were deeply humiliated. The king said, Stay in Jericho until your beards grow back, then return. Now this one's interesting, because not only does it show that it was a shameful thing for their clothes to be cut off all the way at their buttocks, but it was also a shameful thing for their beard to be shaved half off. And yes, I do believe that it is a sin for a man to shave his face. 
Leviticus 19.27. That's another message for another time. But the men of Israel, the righteous men of Israel, did not mar the borders of their beard. They did not destroy their beard. They were bearded. They had facial hair. The point in 2 Samuel 10, 4-5 I want to make is that when the garment was cut off at the buttocks, it exposed the buttocks. And you'll notice, I have noticed this, not for the sake of just trying to lustfully look at people, but I have noticed since I've been wearing tunics, since about 2004, I've noticed that when you examine like at the grocery store or wherever you're at, people walking around with only pants on, you will see that pants by their self are not a modest garment. They caress the back area, and a lot of times on both men and women, they caress the front area in such a way that exposes the nakedness, even though you're not seeing the skin. You're seeing the outline of exactly what is there and what should be kept private. Paul talks about these private parts in 1 Corinthians 12 that we clothe. Some parts we don't clothe, like our hands or our arms. Other parts that are private, we clothe them, and we clothe them with honor. We want to clothe them with modest garments, modest apparel. Um, another passage is Isaiah 47, verses 1 through 3, where it talks about this woman who has her thigh made bare, and her nakedness is uncovered, and her shame is exposed. The bearing of the thigh. You see these women walking around now in these very short and very tight shorts. And they have these bare thighs. Or you see women on the beach dressed in this swimsuit. And I don't care whether it's a one-piece or a two-piece. They're both immodest apparel. I do not believe that women, even if at a beach or in a swimming pool, should be exposing their body parts when we swim. We've been to the beach before. It's the beautiful creation of Yahweh. There's nothing wrong with going to the beach, having fun playing with your children in the sand, and spending some great time in the ocean. But when we go, we wear our clothes. We don't take our clothes off just because we go to the beach. Modesty does not change whether I'm sitting here in my hometown out working or whether I'm at the beach in Florida or another state where there's a beach. The principle does not change. I am still called to be modest anywhere that I go and cover my nakedness and not bare my thigh. And it's a shameful thing. But we see women and men sometimes walking around without shame, no sense of humility or anything about them. They're just prancing around, showing off their nakedness. And sometimes they don't even realize it, and they just need to be gently told. We see in Mark 5.15 that after Yeshua healed a man that was possessed with the devil. Uh, that man was then later on, after his healing, he was clothed and he was in his right mind. Notice that when he was possessed by the devil, the devil was causing him to tear off his clothes. When the devil left him by the power of Yahweh through Yeshua the Son, the clothing stayed on. He was clothed and in his right mind. And then we have Revelation 3.18, where it talks about how that there is shame in nakedness. So I want you to know that I appreciate you for listening, and I want to offer a free booklet titled Modest Apparel for Men and Women. Modest Apparel for Men and Women. If you listen in at the end of this broadcast to the contact information, I'll be more than glad to send you a free copy of this little book. 
and I'll be more than glad to send you some copies that you can pass out and share with one another. This book is only about 49 pages, small little book that you can carry around in your car and hand out and try to help others. This is what I try to do. When someone initially that has never heard the biblical teaching about modest apparel asks me why I wear a tunic and I tell them for modesty reasons and they look at me like it is very bizarre because you just do not see people wearing tunics in the 21st century in the year 2013 that we live in. You don't see it happening. And so I tell them, I say, what you need to start with is Genesis 3 and get a foundation for modesty and at least build towards a goal at dressing more modestly. When you go out to buy your clothing or if you're making your clothes at home, one of the key ingredients to the decision on your clothing should be this, men and women, is this decent and modest? Seek to clothe yourself modestly and decently. We'll get more into this next week. Listen for the contact information. You've been listening to the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast. Our website is ministersnewcovenant.org. That's ministersnewcovenant.org. Please visit our website where you will find hundreds of audio sermons as well as videos, books, and articles explaining various doctrines in the scriptural faith. For questions, you can also call 678-347-6240. That's 678-347-6240. Thanks for listening, and according to His will, may Yahweh richly bless.